0: are so busy, most of the time things just pass us by. How do you get people's attention? I, I like something I saw this week. It was talking about talking to yourself. Anybody ever talk to yourself? Is not a sign of growing old. It's just a way to know someone is actually going to listen to you. Don't you like that? And so it's hard to get attention. How do we get attention? Research says if you want to get people's attention, either you got to do something that's really personal to them or shockingly different or something that is threatening in their life. Now, we're studying spiritual warfare right now. If you have your Bible, you can go and open Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul is saying there is something threatening your life. He wants to get their attention. He says, guys, there is an enemy that is stalking you there are missiles that are flaming toward you there's a day of evil coming where all hell will break loose and you're going to be in trouble you need to be ready for this now, i was talking to some of our military people this week about how they alert people and get troops attention in the military here's what they call it they call it a red alert all right So so the the only two words they have to use is there's a red alert. Now, what does that mean? That means an attack is imminent or it is in progress. It means right now, you better get ready because there's a attack going on. Now, this is what I found fascinating that fits perfectly the passage we're studying from the Apostle Paul. When they say red alert, they follow that with two sentences, don your gear, put your gear on and grab your weapon. Now, that's exactly what Paul's saying. We saw that section last week where Paul says, "Here are the things you just need to permanently put on your gear." And then on the three weapons we're studying this week, these are the things you take up. He changes verbs. If you don't like the military analogy, a lot of you are baseball people. I mean, you might say, "You know, put on your uniform." But at your disposal that you may need to grab, you may need at a certain point of the game, grab the bat. Or you might need to grab the ball. Or you might need to put your glove on. It depends what's going on. And so this week in spiritual warfare, we're going to look at these three things at our disposal that we need to grab in the moment. Listen to Paul. Let's pray he gets our attention. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all of this here's this week take up the shield of faith which with you you can extinguish all the flaming evil arrows of the evil one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, let's dive into this. The first piece of armament ready for us is the shield of faith. This is an amazing piece of armor. For, for a Roman soldier, the shield of faith was probably four feet long. They're about five feet tall, my goodness. by two and a half feet wide. It would literally cover your whole body. Often it was made even to curve around, so literally 75% of your body was covered. Now, the shield was more like a, a wooden door. And on this, there was, um, there was leather put over it. And then on the edges was metal, and metal in the middle. And so it was a strong piece of armament meant for you to be able to withstand the attacks of the evil one. Now, this is a defensive weapon to extinguish missiles. Now here's what we've got to see this morning. Guys, Satan is is shooting missiles at us all the time. I mean, you, you know, I don't have to go in detail right now. You just think, what is the missile he's thrown at you this past week? And guys, they're coming. And the great thing about this shield of faith is you're able to extinguish them. In fact, if they, they did fiery missiles, here's what a soldier would do. They would dip that shield in water so that as soon as it hit that leather, it would extinguish that. Now, here's what's even cooler they were able to take these big, big shields. They called it the turtle formation. And if you're in the middle of a field and your enemies are surrounding you, you could lock those shields together and crouch down and you could be defended. Any of you like the movie 300, you've seen that. When the Persians are coming after the Spartans. And the Persian says, our armies are going to shoot these arrows and." There will be so many of them, it'll blot out the sun. It's it's gonna be pitch black because of, and it was if you see that scene. But I love the Spartans' general's reply. Then we will fight in the shade. And you got that great scene of that army right in the middle of that field. The sky blackened, their shields locked together, and they're actually laughing and carrying on, knowing that they're defending, defended. So right now, what weapon's coming after you? What is this shield? It's the shield of what? It's the shield of faith. What is faith? Faith is trusting in God. Now, you gotta understand this, or this could become a guilty point. The focus of faith is God's faithfulness. You gotta catch this. The focus of of faith is not, man, I'm gonna build myself up that I've got so much faith. The idea is not how much faith you have. Jesus said all you need is faith of what? Mustard seed, you don't don't have to have much. The, The idea of faith is not how much faith you have, the power of faith is who you put your faith in. In, in the story of the Bible, and if you want to read the Bible correctly, you read it as a story. It's a narrative. The story of the Bible is simply about the faithfulness of God. In all the ups and downs in life, and all the defeats and victories, and all, it, it just says, in the midst of all this, God keeps his word, and God is faithful. So when those arrows start coming, what you're going to hold up is your belief in the faithfulness of God. Why do you faith trust God? Because you've read those stories. That's why we've got to teach our kids the stories of the Bible. Not because they're cute little stories, but because what they're teaching our children is when you're David facing Goliath, God comes through. When you're facing that temptation, God will deliver you. And so we read those stories. How how else? And then we get to the story of Jesus, the the height of the narrative. And I see what God's like, and I think I might could trust that God. And then I get to the cross, the cross is, man, you know, because sometimes here's one of the the doubts is, you know, God doesn't really love me. If, If God cared about me, then that wouldn't be going on in my life. There's a missile. God's not as good as they say he is, but you know what? I can't get away from the cross. The cross proves once and for all, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that God actually loves you. And so I keep that even so here 's what happens is I begin to build this relationship with God, where I know god i 've watched god i 've experienced God, and so when those arrows start coming and life 's not making sense, and all hell does break loose in my life, I know him. You ever had a friend, maybe their behavior was a, a little bit different than you expected, or they did something you didn 't understand, and maybe another friend came to you criticizing that friend and You say, you know, I I know it doesn't look good right now, but let me tell you, I know this guy, and I know his heart, and so I trust him. And and here's what we do with God. When life doesn't make sense, and and that day is bursting out on us where everything is messed up, and I go, God, I don't understand why you let this happen. I don't understand why you didn't answer this prayer. I don't understand why my life is such a mess. You know the stories. You know Jesus. You actually know God. And so you say, you know what? It doesn't make sense to me, but I know God's heart. And the shield comes up. And the arrows are extinguished. And you stand in faith. I'm going to invite the worship team up here. We're going to sing a couple awesome songs about this that I want you to, to really... One of them is a new song. The first one is just about God being the shield about me. And the second is because of that shield, we are not afraid. So let's stand, let's take up the shield of faith and let's praise the Lord. Aren't we thankful for that shield of faith that allowed us to be fearless in the midst of uh, the attack. Now we go to the next piece of armor that's going to fit right in, which is the helmet of salvation. This, again, is a defensive weapon to protect your mind. Just as in today's culture, we've learned the, the, the challenge of concussions, and so we're redeveloping helmets for the football game so that there's a less likelihood. In Paul's day, actually, there's records that they're redesigning these helmets for the Roman soldier so that they're more protected from that, that fatal brain injury. Because here's what we've got to understand about this war that we find ourselves in. The battleground is your mind. That's where it always starts, is that Satan attacks your thinking, that will in the long run affect your behavior. And so what we want to do is we want to pr- protect our mind. You see, here's, here's our problem. Here's my problem. is my mind is my most unprotected part of my life. I, I, I watch my language when I'm in front of you because you can hear it i watch my behavior in front of you because you can see it. And so I've got some accountability where I work. I've got accountability in my home. But here's where we don't have good accountability normally is what goes on in our brain. And so we just simply give our brains way too much freedom. And Satan knows that. And so that's where he attacks us. It's like this a few years ago. We, we, we built a house and we built the house and we didn't have enough m- m- money for the curtains in the den. And we built in one of those neighborhoods where all the houses are really close and we have a bank of windows on our den. And right across from that is our flat screen TV on the wall. And um, uh, Chad and Betsy Emerson, some of you remember them used to live across the street from us and Betsy Emerson came to me at church one day. She said, man, you know, the way your house is across the street from our house, my children sit on our front porch and they watch your TV. And let me tell you guys, that was some great accountability. I'm going to be really careful about what I watch. You know what the problem was? Is when we got the curtains. Because then you can watch and nobody sees. And that's the problem with this mental battle, my friends, is that nobody sees. And so you can give your brain all kinds of freedom to go in all kinds of ways. Now, here's the danger, and we don't see the danger, is the more you think that thought, the, the deeper rut. There are actually people who study this today. They, they attach things to the brain and they can watch what happens in your brain. A study I was reading just this week said when you have persistent negative thoughts, they can literally now light it up and see these little pathways that ignite in your brain and they're toxic. And so you think something and we all go, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm in a rut. And you literally are in a rut, you've established a rut in your brain because nobody's watching you've given yourself permission you can worry over and over again about the same thing you can obsess about the same thing you can keep looking at that pornography you can keep on having those negative thoughts and before long your your brain is literally wired and so that's why when anything prompts that you immediately fall into that rut and you get to that place i do where i think can i get out of it That that's why we got to have the helmet that is salvation. Because salvation is liberation. We have a much too narrow view of salvation. When I say you're saved, what we basically think is, I was lost and I'm saved, I was going to hell and now I'm going to heaven. That salvation is basically just my get out of hell free card. But listen to me guys, salvation, the Bible is a broad word. It applies to every area of your life. It does apply to your eternal salvation. But it also applies to your abundance of life. It applies to you overcoming an addiction. It applies to you having freedom from a a relationship that is dragging you down. And it applies to getting over these wrong thoughts. That God has come not just to rescue you so you can be miserable and stuck in these thoughts till you get to heaven. Salvation means right now. There's liberation available for you. If any of us that get get stuck in our thoughts, my goodness, man, this is great news. And here's the cool thing, is science is catching up with the Bible. Those same scientists who could see those negative, toxic ruts, now say if that same person will begin to replace those with positive thoughts, your brain is plastic enough, that you can rewire it. God knew that a long time ago. And so we begin to have our brains reworked. I've got three brothers who can come up and read some scriptures for us about this. As we prepare to to go to the Lord's table in just a moment, I want you to approach the table this morning in a different way than we normally do. I want you to approach it and take up the helmet of salvation. Because for most of us, this is our battleground. I mean, you're not in some overt kind of crazy sin where you're sleeping with everybody. You're not out there getting drunk, maybe some of you, I don't know, but, but most of us, it's that unseen, hidden area of our brain. Let's listen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Ken's going to read that for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me tell you how crazy this is. My friends, I just had a bad thought. I'm jealous of Ken's voice. (laughs) I mean I, I can't even try. <laughs> there it goes, man. I better replace this one quickly. Now, the, now here here's the key here. Here's the key. It's the renewing of your mind. That's what that's what, what Paul says when you when you surrender your life, what God begins to do, and it's not a quick process, it's not overnight. God begins to renew your mind. You begin to think different. Guys, if you're having a hard time living the Christian life, it's probably because you're not starting on the inside, working to the outside. When your brain begins to be renewed and you begin to see yourself the way God sees you, that's when things can be different. And I love the, the battle imagery of this next passage, Second Corinthians chapter ten. Trace and read that. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's that's the language of this series. You, You know that word stronghold? That's just a biblical word for that rut. He's developed a stronghold in your mind. Everything this happens, your brain flips onto this and you can't hardly get out. It's a stronghold. It's a a defensive place of the devil. But here's what he says. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the power to take our thoughts captive. To, to, to attack them and take them captive, and I love the wording here, make it obey God. Maybe you got a thought right now that you just need to wrestle under the, the power of God and make it obedient. You see, here, here's the, the issue that we're dealing with, guys, is that Jesus has paid the price for our freedom, even in our thoughts for our liberation from these self-defeating thoughts, yours may not be anything evil, it just may be you can think bad about yourself all the time or you think bad about the people around you and just, it's just destroying your marriage and destroying you and destroying you at work. But, but what God has said to us is I can, I can liberate you. In fact, he already has. It reminds me of the Emancipation Proclamation from President Lincoln. He issued it in 1863. That all the slaves on this continent were free. But it took a full two years for it to reach Galveston, Texas. And so you had all these people living under slavery. when they had already been proclaimed to be free. They were technically free. But they were practically in slavery. And guys, that's where I'm afraid many of us are. Some days I am. God's freed me. But that's not the message I'm listening to. I'm I'm technically free, but practically I live my life in bondage. And guys, that's what's so important about what we're about to do around the table. Is I want you, when you go to the table today, I want you to be reminded of your freedom. You see, we even know about many of the slaves that literally it took generations For them to overcome what had happened to them for hundreds of years. They didn't just walk out of slavery and all of a sudden act like free men and women. It was so difficult. Some of the vestiges of that last to today. It took time. And so what they had to have happen is they had to be reminded over and over and over that they were a free man or a free woman. And guys, that's why we need to consistently go to this table. Because when you take this bread and you hold this cup, you are holding the reason and the symbols for your freedom. And and though you may still be living in the bondage of your past life, what this is meant to do is to remind you over and over and over again that you are a free man and a free woman and you don't have to walk out of here in bondage. So let me pray and then if you would go to the table. But today as you go to the table, I want you to think a little differently. I want you to go, and I want you to to visualize the helmet of salvation, the knowledge in your mind that God can liberate you all the way to your thought life. And you be thinking about where he's got you in bondage and what he's done to free you. Let's pray together. Lord, we know on every battlefield there are casualties. And so today we come to remember the broken body of Jesus that was laid down for us. On every battlefield, Father, there's blood that's spilt. And today, we remember the blood that was spilt by your son, Jesus, so that we might have freedom. And God, we also remember that he resurrected from the dead. And he overpowered every evil in this world so that we can too through his power. And so, Lord, today as we go to the table, may this be a moment of embracing our salvation. Not just that we're going to heaven but that we are saved right here, right now, that we are wearing the helmet of salvation, the knowledge that we are a liberated people, whether it comes to our addiction or comes to our attitude or comes to that mental rut, that you have the power to free us. God, help us to remember that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go to one more piece of armor real quickly, and that is the sword of the Spirit. And when we visualize a sword, we visualize a sword like this. But there are two different words for sword. And Paul employs a word that's a a shorter sword. It's it's more like a dagger, maybe 8 to 18 inches long. And and the purpose of that dagger was to be an offensive weapon to defeat the enemy. Because if if you were in hand-to-hand combat... Oh, there'd be that missile combat, but in the long run, in ancient combat, it would always come down to to -to face-to-face, hand-to-hand. And if you had that dagger by your side, and you could get it into your opponent's heart, you had immediately won. And guys, so far, everything we've talked about has been on the defensive. Every piece of armor, but this is the piece we need to go on the offensive. Offensive. And often I think we as Christians would think, well, you know, Satan's so powerful, man. I just can get over here. We're just gonna try to protect our church and protect our family, you know, and just sort of isolate ourselves. No, no, no. That's not what God wants. God wants you to be able to go on the offensive. He wants you to regain that land that you have lost. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to understand that you have the power in your hands to defeat Satan. What is it? It is the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. Now, fascinating here is there are different words in the Bible for the Word of God. Uh, One is just literally the the book, the pages, the the ink. Uh, Another is an understanding of it, an interpretation of it. But this is neither one of those words. This is the Greek word rhema, which simply means a timely word from God for you. This is when God speaks to you. It's not just pages, it's not just a good interpretation, it's what you need in that moment. You understand that. There might be a moment in a church service where the preacher is preaching. I had two people talk about this after church so today. They, they go, I felt like I was the only person in the audience today. Because you spoke directly to me and where I am. Now that's not me. That's the Spirit. Okay? He'll speak that word to you. It's when you're reading the Bible and it's like God illuminates it. It's like you're reading a passage, you're in the middle of something, and God just God, it's almost like God takes a highlighter and highlights just the words that you need to hear. I can remember a moment in my life, worst moment in my life, where God gave me a psalm that addressed exactly where I was and what I was struggling with and gave me the words to make it through it. And I'm telling you, God will do that. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not just you reading the Bible and trying to interpret it correctly. The work of the Spirit in the old terminology is it illuminates the Word of God. It brings it home to you. You see, what we want is that not just have a two-dimensional book of facts and truth. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in, the Bible becomes three-dimensional. And it's not just an encounter with a book, it's a three-dimensional encounter with God. It's when you walk away from the Word of God and it is real to you, so real that you can take it into the battle. And so will that you're strong. You you can remember Jesus in Luke chapter four when the devil comes head on to him. It's hand to hand combat, and Jesus draws out the dagger and he says three times, "It is written, it is written, it is written," and Satan flees. And my friends, when you come to Satan, not if you try to be logical with Satan, if you try to have a discussion with Satan, I'm telling you, you're going to be a victim. But when you come to Satan, not with your words, but with the illuminated Word of God, you will defeat him. He gives you that Word for the moment. And so this morning, we need to take up that sword of the Spirit. And that's what's so dangerous about our lack of Bible knowledge today, not because you just need to go understand like many of us grew up learning the facts and figures and the 12 tribes and 12 apostles and memorizing all these lists. That's not it. What you need is a word from God about who you are and, and, and who he is and how to battle this enemy. So let's get really practical our last couple of minutes together. We talked in the middle of the, the beginning. This is a red alert. I want you to look at a list here. If you had not been looking at your bulletin so far, your lifelines, please take it out right now. Because I want you to, to do something with this list. Because I've got a list of things in, in times when you are most vulnerable to Satan's attack. And I want you to look through this list with me this morning. And you don't have to tell this to anybody else. Just, I just want you to circle. Which of these things are true in your life right now? You're most vulnerable to attack when you're alone. That's why Satan's going to do everything he can to keep you from diving into the fellowship of this church. Because he wants you to be alone. Because he can pick you off. You, you don't have those interlocking shields that can come together. You're vulnerable. When you're tired. When you're stressed. I, I guarantee you, I'm talking to some people right now. You're not sleeping good. I talked to three or four people recently, man. They're not sleeping good, and, and the way they get to sleep is alcohol. And, and, and they know it's, it's taken over further and further in their life because that's the only way they can relax. So maybe you're tired, maybe you're stressed. We're always more vulnerable. You know, we're always uglier to the people around us when we're tired. And, and this is a big one. When you're hurt, there's no bigger issue in spiritual warfare than forgiveness if someone has hurt you, that is such a, 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 an opportunity for Satan to build a stronghold of bitterness in your life that will not hurt them, but will destroy you. Or maybe it's a, it's a childhood hurt. You know, many talk about generational sins that are carried on from one. I believe that's true. And maybe you grew up in a terrible home where some terrible things happened to you, and, and, and that hurt has carried with you into adulthood. Or maybe it's um, some of these different times. After failure, you know, you, you finally stepped out for God. You wanted to take a stand at school, and you fell on your face. You were going to start that Bible study, but you didn't. You were going to go to business, you know, where you work, and you were going to be ethical when no one else was. And you weren't going to laugh at the dirty joke when everybody else did, and, and you fell flat on your face. And, and then Satan whispers, man, you are, you are just a complete failure. Why are you even trying? Now, here's the one that hits me. After victory, that's a weird one, isn't it? I've told you before, but my most vulnerable time for my thoughts to go in the wrong direction are after a really great Sunday. It's after you sort of been on that mountaintop, and then I go home, man, and my thoughts can just start churning about all these negative thoughts that I don't need to be having. And maybe you've had a victory, and because of that victory, you let your guard down, and Satan's come in. Now, here's a big one. After neglect of God's Word. Did you notice as we studied these six pieces of armor that every one of them somehow ties back to the Word of God? And because there's no, vu- no wonder we're so vulnerable to sin in our life when we neglect this Word that can speak to us in the moment. Because this book is not a dead book. It is living and active and sharper than two-edged sword. And you neglect it long enough? And you're just hearing truth from the media in Hollywood and your friends? I man, you're going to fall. Or maybe after an unanswered prayer, man, you, you prayed for your marriage and it failed. You prayed for a baby and you had a miscarriage. You prayed for that loved one to live and they died. You prayed that you could just get over that addiction in a moment and you didn't. And you're wondering, where's God? And you've got to tie back into that, that piece of armor, that shield of faith, the faithfulness of God. So take a moment, I'll do the same thing, and just, just circle the ones that explain where you are right now, where you're vulnerable. Just circle. You can circle more than one, obviously. Many of you may circle the whole deal. Now here's what we want to do. I want you to grab your weapon. That's the, that's the encouragement here. What is the weapon you need to grab to, to, to fight the enemy? We, we talked about three this morning. The shield of faith. Maybe in the midst of everything looking wrong, you just need to, to hold on to the idea that God loves you and the cross proves it. Or maybe it's the helmet of salvation. These mental battles are going on and you're full of doubt and fear and self-loathing. And you need to grab this helmet of salvation. Or maybe it's the sword of the spirit. You've got to get on the offensive. You've got to start fighting the lies of Satan with truth. Now, here, here's the deal, guys. We've got this. It's all at our disposal. But here's the, the, the commandment. We've got we to gotta take it up. We've got to put it on. You know, often we, we leave ourselves vulnerable not because we don't have the weapons to win. It's because we don't take them up. Now, I, I'm embarrassed to tell this story, but this is, this is true, so I'll just confess it. Uh, when my kids were growing up, I never made them wear bicycle helmets. I just thought, man, I grew up. I survived. I didn't need a helmet. And just, just sissies need bicycle helmets, okay? So, so you guys don't have to wear helmets. I don't care if you wear them or not. That's why Lincoln's the way he is today. I mean, you just, <laughs> you, you just don't have to have a, have a helmet on, you know? And I look back, I think, buddy, you're such a fool. Man, that you didn't do that. What could have happened? And I've repented. I love my grandchildren. They wear helmets. (laughs) Okay? Because that's the way so many of us are. Man, we got the shield of faith. It can extinguish any missile. We've got the helmet of salvation. Even our thought life could come in control. We've got the dagger to not just withstand Satan, but to destroy him. So which one of those do you need to take up today? Because I'm telling you, your life either is or will be under red alert. The attack is imminent or it's in progress. If you think you're not being attacked, you're probably being defeated. And so, my friends, if your life is under red alert today, because it's either happening right now or it's going to happen later. If the day of evil has come in your life today and you've circled all these things and you've been so vulnerable and and all hell has broke loose in your life and, and today you need to take up the armament of God, today might be a day that you need the prayers of this church because you're not getting it done on your own. And it's not just about us praying together. It's about us tapping the power of God. So this morning, if you find yourself in red alert, The attack is on, and you need some special strength today before you walk out of this place. Why don't you come forward while we stand together and sing?